Hello, welcome to the Drug Training Podcast. In this episode, we're going to talk about the five keys to becoming a successful narcotics officer. These keys came from my time working in narcotics and working as a narcotics unit supervisor who selected who was going to come into the unit and who wasn't. I feel I was pretty successful in my career. I worked drug enforcement for a large portion of that career, and I traveled the world teaching others how to become better at drug enforcement. I also didn't do well in some aspects and learned from my mistakes. So if you want to become an ARC, these are the things that will help you become a highly successful drug warrior. Welcome to the Drug Training Podcast with Keith Graves, a police officer who spent 28 years specializing in drug investigations and who regularly teaches law enforcement officers, private businesses, and concerned families on spotting and dealing with drug use. This podcast is the essential resource for both professionals and individuals who need practical help, advice, and insight. Now, here's your host, Keith Graves. At some point in your career, you choose a path towards a particular specialty in police work. This path leads you to a type of policing that you enjoy and can hopefully get a special assignment that gives you satisfaction in your career. For me, I chose the path of a narcotics officer, a dope cop. I love being a dope cop. Drugs can be traced back to most calls that we deal with as an officer or deputy. That auto burglary call you just took probably wasn't committed by a guy that makes a living off of stealing car stereos. So follow these five steps and you'll be well on your way to becoming a successful narcotics officer. So the first step is to get training. If your department doesn't send you to training, you should send yourself. You can start by contacting your state's narcotics officers association. I live in California, so I belong to the California Narcotics Officers Association. CNOA has been around for many years. I got my start by sending myself to their training on my own dime by taking vacation to go to the classes. The classes there are only $35 for members, and you can take a class anywhere from how to manage informants to drug abuse recognition to Mexican drug cartels. Currently, there's about 40 states out of the 50 that have a Narcotics Officers Association. If you go to the National Narcotic Officers Association website, they'll have a list of all the state associations. Contact your state association. Some are really good. Some aren't so good. But hopefully you live in a state that has a good association that can have some good training for you to attend. You can also do online courses. Of course, you have onlinedrugtraining.com that I host. And that's good if you have strict time constraints or you you live in a rural area and it's hard to go get training. But I'm not the only game out there either. There's a few others out there that have uh, online drug training that you can take. You can also do live training. Uh, I do live training. Lots of people do live training. Just make sure you do a check on the instructor first to make sure that you're getting quality training. So I got my start by sending myself to training because my department wouldn't send me to training because I was just a patrol officer. So as an example, I went to the Drug Recognition Expert School. The DRE school is a two-week school that teaches you how to determine if a driver is under the influence of a drug. It's a great school, easily one of the best schools I've been to. It's also the hardest school I've ever been to. Now I'm an instructor for the DRE program, and the students that report back to me that it is the hardest class they've ever taken as well. So I made a few drug arrests before I went to the DRE school. I went back way back, and I think it was like 1991 or 1992. But when I went, it was October of that year when I graduated. By the end of the year, I had made 30 drugged driving arrests just off the training I had received. And of course, with those 30 drug driving arrests that I made, I also found guns, I found drugs, I found a lot of other things that went along with it, and it made me look like a superstar. The next year, I made 80. The year after that, it was 180. And then my department came to me and said they wanted me to train the entire department. 
I freaked out a little because I had never done training before at that time. And so I trained everybody in the department. And the next year, we made over a thousand drug arrests, all stemming off of drug influence cases. You also want to know the detectives that are working in your drug unit. You want to ask them for tips. In my unit, when I was running the unit, we had a B list. And the B list was tips that we didn't have time to deal with, but we didn't want the information to go by the wayside. So officers would come in and would ask, hey, do you have any good tips for us? We would go straight to the B list and we would give them the stuff that we thought they could handle. The officers learned that they could sit in a marked unit in uniform and still make drug arrests. It made them become really good dope cops. But if you get those tips from the narc unit, you want to act on it. If you don't act on it, they're not going to think highly of you. But if you act on it, you're going to be a superstar in their eyes. You'll get some great bust, and then you're going to roll those people into informants, which is going to go straight back to the narcotics unit, and they'll be very happy with you. And they'll start using you as the uniform when they go on drug raids or when they need a wall stop done, which is they need a car stop for further investigation. They're going to call you because they know you and they know you're doing a good job. You also want to get to know your local DA or your charging attorney. They'll give you tips about how you can improve your cases. And after they charge a case, you want to follow up with them and ask what you could have done better. It was one nice DA that took time out with me that told me about jury instructions. At the time, I didn't know, but there was a big book of jury instructions. So if somebody got charged with possession for sale, they read the jury, these instructions on what they were supposed to use to decide guilty or not guilty. I looked at it and it told me the absolute way that my case should have been run. So from that day forward, I always pulled out the jury instructions and went over it to make sure everything in my case was included so that the jury can use the information from my investigation in their deliberations. If you have a good reputation with the DA, that goes a long way. Before I select somebody to come in the unit, I go to the DA and I say, hey, these are my applicants. Is there anything I should know about these people? I would get comments like, hey, this guy's a really good guy. He writes great paper and he has a good success rate with getting cases charged with us. But I also got, hey, this guy writes poor paper and we see some dirty searches and we're not real happy with him. That's not a guy I'm going to pick. So contact your DA. They have some great help that they can give you. You want to talk to every user that you encounter. You have to remember they may be a drug user, but they're a person too. They're willing to talk to you just like anybody else on the street. You don't want to be badge heavy. You don't want to be authoritative when you talk to them. You just want to talk to them like you're talking to a person, which you are. I used to carry around a carton of cigarettes in my car, and I would give a smoke to a drug addict if they would just sit and talk to me for a while. And if they were very truthful with me, I would give them the whole pack. It's pretty cheap to give them that in exchange for some really good information. You'd be amazed at what they tell you. You want to ask questions about drug use and drug sales. You want to ask, how long have you been using? That gives you how much experience they have in the drug that they're talking about. You want to ask them, what drugs have they done in their life and what was it like? Because you probably haven't done drugs before, otherwise you wouldn't be a cop. But they can tell you what it's like to take PCP. And they might tell you they'll never take it again, but they can tell you every detail of what it was like to be high. Ask them if they've ever tried to stop. And ask them, what keeps you from stopping? Ask them what a dosage unit is for the drug that they use. The dosage unit's important. A standard of methamphetamine is a tenth of a gram, but they can tell you exactly how much they use per day, and you can judge that based off of what we teach people in schools, and now you use your own personal experience when you testify in court, because that's going to come up. They're going to ask you, what's a dosage unit? 
And now you know, you know, not just from some training session that you took with me, but you also know it because the drug addicts are telling you the same thing. And when you write your report, let's say you recover an ounce of meth, good job, that's a nice pinch. But when you write that report, you can now say how many dosage units were in that ounce of methamphetamine. And that brings to light how serious of a sales case that is. You also want to ask them how much do they pay? Because the prices change every once in a while and you want to keep up with the prices of that, of that particular drug. You want to ask them, where do you hide your drugs where cops won't look for it? On your person, in your car, or in your house. They'll be truthful. Now, sometimes they might not tell you that it, this is where I keep my dope, but they'll say this is where my friends keep their dope. You're not asking for names. You're just asking for generalities. And you want to make sure you, you relay that as well. You want to ask them what new drugs are on the street. And what you might find out is that there's some guy out there selling fentanyl and you're able to track it down. And you do look like a superstar because you were able to stop this fentanyl influx that was happening in your jurisdiction. You want to ask when people sell, how do they keep track of their money? Who owes them and who paid? It used to be that people kept it on a piece of paper. It was called a payo sheet. But payo sheets have evolved. As an example, I asked a guy a couple months ago, how are you keeping track of your payos? And what he did is he used his his Google Gmail account, and he had a draft email that he would just close out. It never got sent anywhere, but he would just open it and just use it as a document on who owed and who didn't, because he knew it was very hard for the cops to find that, and it would be hard for them to get at that information. Pretty smart. You want to ask him, how much do you buy at a time? How, many, how much drugs do you buy at a time for personal use? You want to ask him that because you'll arrest a guy that has an ounce of methamphetamine and he'll say, oh, this is my personal use. I buy it. This is my month's supply. Nobody does that. But it's a lot nicer than saying, well, I learned in a class that nobody does that. But I also talk to addicts on the street and they tell me they would never do that because they don't want to get arrested for sales. It's one thing to learn in a class. It's another to hear every addict you stop say the same thing. And it's something that you can testify to down the road. You want to ask him, are you addicted? It's important. And talk to them about that addiction. How hard is it on their lives? How has it affected them? You want to know about that because, hey, at some point you're going to have to testify to it. And also, you want to be a dope cop, so you need to be an expert. So you need to know everything there is about addiction. Lastly, you want to learn how to work informants, but you want to do it the right way. You want to read your department's policy on informant use. You want to know it frontwards and backwards, and you want to follow it to a T. Then you want to talk to your department narcs and get their feedback on how they want you to work informants on the street. They may want you to work it a certain way. And most importantly, you need to take a course on informant management. You have to know how to deal with informants on the street the right way. If you make a mistake on the street with an informant, it could cost you your job. It could cost the informant its life. You need to be careful. So take a course on informant management, talk to your narcs, and know your policy. Working drug cases has been some of the most rewarding work I've ever done. It's also made me a better cop in other areas like criminal investigation and interview and interrogation. So you want to invest in the time, you want to invest in the relationships on the street and in the department, and invest in your training. Before you know it, you'll be one of the best dope cops in your agency. Okay, those tones signify a be on the lookout or a bolo, and every officer hears that in their car when dispatch wants their attention. Recently, I saw in the Drug Recognition Expert Facebook group, it's a closed group, sorry, the article title was DEA Struggles to Keep Up with Evolving Drugs. It caught my attention because there are so many new drugs that are coming out, it's hard for us all to keep up with it, and I wanted to see how it impacted the DEA. 
In the article, it says new drugs were appearing every other week in the Drug Enforcement Administration's Special Testing and Research Laboratory, which is in Virginia. They continue to say that the proliferation of rapidly evolving synthetic opioids has become so fierce that the DEA says they now constitute an entire new class of drugs, which are fueling the deadliest addiction crisis the United States has ever seen. The article went on to say that fentanyl-like drugs are pouring in primarily from China. As soon as one substance is banned, chemists synthesize slightly different and technically legal molecules and sell that substance online, delivery to U.S. doorsteps guaranteed. So today, it is almost as easy to order an ever-shifting array of synthetic opioids online from China as it is to buy a pair of shoes. We know that there's entrepreneurial chemists that have been creating designer alternatives to cannabis, amphetamine, cocaine, and ecstasy for years. But the new synthetics are far more lethal. In some cases, an amount smaller than a poppy seed can kill, which would be carfentanil. And we cover carfentanil at length in our online drug course, Current Drug Trends. And you can find that at onlinedrugtraining.com. The DEA chemist that they talked to in this article said that she had recommitted to every safety protocol she was ever taught. She wears safety glasses. She wears a lab coat that's buttoned. She wears disposable gloves, a face mask, and she's now placed a naloxone injection kit, which is a Narcan kit, close by just in case she gets an overdose. So this begs the question, why are we still field testing drugs out on the street? Cops have no business testing drugs out on the street. And I wrote an article that I put up in uh, the briefing room at onlinedrugtraining.com. I wrote that article because of everything we just talked about. I see cops field testing drugs, but they have no idea what it is. They think it's cocaine, but it turns out to be meth. Or they think it's meth and it turns out to be cocaine. I've had guys find heroin and it turns out it's laced with fentanyl, which if they had mishandled it, they could have overdosed and had a serious medical problem. If you're a DA and you require officers to do field testing before you will file the case, you have to ask yourself, why are you doing that? You're putting the officers at risk by mandating them to handle drugs that they no longer are very sure about and it's putting their safety at risk. It just needs to stop. Okay, that's it for this week. I'm going to ask that you subscribe to our show on whatever podcast forum you, you get, download your podcast from and that you rate and you review it. I like it because it tells me if I'm doing things right or wrong, and it's nice to get feedback so I can take the uh, show in a certain direction. You can find more information on subjects just like this in our online course, Current Drug Trends. You can also go online to onlinedrugtraining.com and go check out the briefing room. That's where I have my blog, and I put up current information continuously up there about drugs. If you have any questions, if there's one drug question you've been dying to know about, If you need an answer to some question or you just have general comments or questions, then email me at podcast at onlinedrugtraining.com. That's it for now. I'll see you next week and stay safe. Thanks for listening to the Drug Training Podcast with Keith Graves. We'd love to hear your comments and respond to your questions in future episodes. Visit our accompanying website at www.onlinedrugtraining.com for more information, advice, training, and to get in touch. And join us again on the next edition of the Drug Training Podcast.